Welcome back and happy Monday. Happy beginning to another beautiful week as well as August, another month in the year of 2022. Welcome back to life, love and liberty. Hope you're doing well. August the 1st, 2022. This is the day the Lord has made, not media, not the devil, not your mother-in-law, <laughs> not your frenemies, not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not President Trump, not the DOJ, but this is the day the Lord has made. Amen. And we are supposed to do what? <laughs> Be glad and rejoice in it. Right. But there's so many things jockeying for our attention. And we're rolling into the back nine of the year for you golfers. You know how important it is to really stop and take inventory of your score, right? Where, where are you in relation to what is your handicap? <laughs> how far under par are you? All right, how far over par are you? And all of that matters if you're actually playing to win. And some people are on the, you know, on the golf course of life, not really playing to do anything. They're just out there. And sometimes I do that. I just get on a golf cart. You know, I get to be the cart girl for the day for a bunch of buddies. And I love the weather. I love being outside. I like, I like dressing the part. And some days I just want to get out there and be competitive and crush it. And I'm really competing against myself, not anyone else around me, uh, like most other golfers. Uh, and some days I just want to get out there and, you know, have all my senses fulfilled and and just enjoy nature. And golf courses are very peaceful and quiet and beautiful. Um, and just, you know, a lot of attention has been paid to every detail, every nuance of a golf course, right? From its design, its engineering, all of it. And if you're going to get out and play the, the game well, then you would be wise to study the course before you go, especially, you know, if you're out on business and, you know, you're a bunch of men who are wanting to impress your, your prospects, um, or, you know, whatever your purpose for being out there is. But most men are competitive as, as we know, even in golf, even a sport that largely, um, requires you to compete really against yourself. And in your and you're only as good as you're in the music industry. We always said you're only as good as your last album in golf. You're only as good as your last game, right? You're because that's what you're comparing it to, is the last game you had, the last game you shot, the last round you shot, right? And so it's important to take inventory and to study the course and to study the challenges and the pitfalls. And but in life, a lot of times we can't see the pitfalls. But I want to challenge you today to think about as you're taking inventory, moving into this back nine of your life of this year, no matter how old you are, right? Inventory is a great thing. It allows you to get honest about where you are in relation to 
where you'd like to go. Right? And it doesn't have to be a blame game. It doesn't have to be disappointing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to encourage you in today's show and challenge you to celebrate those moments, those milestones, those victories, getting out of the sand traps of your lives. Right? It's very important. And it's okay. Sometimes we end up in a sand trap. We overshoot. We undershoot. You know, we get we get a little excited. We we hit the ball too hard. We we're not paying attention. We didn't we didn't choose the club wisely. You know, we didn't study how far it was from where our first shot landed to where we need to get to on the green. I mean, there's any number of of reasons that we end up in the sand trap. We didn't take into account the wind of the day. Right? The pressures of people waiting for you to hit the shot. <laughs> The pressures of being watched and, you know, being challenged and, and, you know, is everybody watching? Am I going to get this right? People are waiting. You know, we've, we've already taken up so much time and they don't want to play through. And, you know, all these, all these challenges that come with a game of golf, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, it's not a game. It's not putt putt if you're playing it well. And some people in life are playing a game of putt putt. And that's how they treat their lives. Like a, like a fun house. Right. And the world tends to live in a in a fun house of of macabre and ghoulishness and and distorted figures and, you know, 50 way mirrors and uh, mirrors that make you look thin, make you mirrors that make you look fat. You've got the bearded dragon and, you know, you've got the bearded woman and the bearded guy who thinks she's a woman, uh, you know, and you're being challenged to agree with things that are illusions in the fun house of the world, right? So the world is not necessarily interested in playing an actual game of golf and running its race for the sake of victory. That will never be the way of the world because the world's system is set up for defeat. I'm going to say that again. The world's system is set up for defeat. The world's system is meant for your demise. It is not there to empower you in the truest sense of empowerment, which is really what matters for the flourishing of your soul. That is not what the world system is set up for. The world system devours. It takes instead of receives. Right? It lusts instead of loves. It has no self-control. It's right now. It's information overload. It's do or die. And in case you haven't noticed, we do live in a time when some, some of the medical field and, and anthropologists more specifically would argue that, you know, we no longer live in the time of the, the bear at the cave door, the, you know, the, the, the dinosaurs, <laughs> things that fly and otherwise, uh, you know, that are 20,000 times bigger than us, uh, coming for us. You know, we're not, we're not cavemen. We're not hunters and gatherers anymore, but I would challenge you to consider otherwise. Almost worse than things you can see are the things you can't see. And the things we can't see are these little things in our hands and the screens we we stare into, you know, like just slobbering zombies most of the day, even in the midst of the happiest moments of our lives. 
They're like sirens that are seductresses that just, there's just this dopamine hit that you got to have that's in your anatomical brain that says, oh, what did so-and-so say to my response on Twitter? How many people liked my post? How many people retweeted? How many people shared? How many people unfollowed me today? There are measures by which every one of these platforms sucks you in and sucks you dry of all of your, all of your bandwidth. And so whenever it comes to playing your game, when it comes to running your race of life, when it comes to empowering thoughts and empowering feelings and new ideas and things that are going to add to the quality of your life and the productivity of your life and to help your stroke in life and to help your game become as, as good as it can get because you really aren't running a race against your fellow creation. We're not really fighting against flesh and blood is what the Bible says. We're warring against things that are unseen. We're not warring against flesh and blood. So we don't fight for flesh and blood when we're in our everyone is a dragon brain. Partisanship, you know, those people are the problem brain. That party is the problem brain. That country is a problem brain, right? My in-laws, my neighbor, whatever. Whatever the perception that has not afforded you the, the reality of a sober, what's the word I'm looking for? Of sober deliberation. That reality is, is, is squashed by the world system of pay attention to everything. Pay attention to everything so that we can suck your brain dry of every ounce of energy it has and leave you for dead. So whenever it comes time to take inventory in your life, you don't want to because there's a dread that's there because you're already, you already know that you're not measuring up. So you pay people tens of thousands of dollars to encourage you, to inspire you, to scream in your faces. You subscribe to their podcasts and you subscribe to their, their weekend challenges and their week long retreats where they're boot camps of the mind. And and they're really meant to break down your spirit so they can build you back up in their image and in their likeness. It worked for 20,000 other people, other created beings, so it'll work for you too if you just do one through seven. These are proven methods. If you just drop 10 grand on my proven method approach, this will work for you as well. Never taking into account that you are a uniquely created being of God. And you are an individual. Now, that's not to say that you can't incorporate like a few things that I'm going to challenge you with today at the end of our time together. I'm going to drop some little nuggets. You guys can pick them up and run with them, and they will uh, absolutely provide um, fruit in your life, not because they're my great ideas, but because they're truth. And it is impossible for you to consume the truth and it not produce fruit in your life. 
because he said that he would not return void. And wherever so he sends his word forth, it will do that which he has purposed it to do. And that begins in your life and in your uh, brain-containing unit. I love it. That, that as one of my best friends always says, that, de- that begins right between your ears. And all of that gray matter called your brain, which coincidentally is very separate from your mind of Christ. Your mind involves your consciousness. Your brain houses it, right? Your brain is the anatomical compartment. Your brain is the processor. But your mind is much broader, much deeper. It is much more connected. It's a labyrinth of memories and experiences and feelings and senses. And, and uh, it houses trepidation. It houses joy. It, it houses, uh, you know, curiosity, the wonderment of a child. That, that's where your mind is. Your brain is simply the processing unit by which all of that occurs. Right? And this is interesting. I was reading this thing today in kids.frontiersin.org. Okay, this was interesting. So, and this is about young minds, right? Frontiers for young minds. Okay. And it says that we process the average living person today, and some people are not living, believe me, process up to 74 gigabytes of information a day. Do you know what that means? That translates into watching 16 movies a day. 16 movies per day. That's how much information and data your brain has a demand to process through your computers, your cell phones, tablets, billboards, gadgets. Every year, it's about 5% more than the previous year. Now, in, com- in contrast, only 500 years ago, when you think about it in the you know, continuum of time, it's not that long ago, only 500 years ago, 74 gigabytes of information would be what a highly educated person consumed in a lifetime, through books and stories, right? So how do human brains deal with this challenge? Well, according to neuroscience, which is the study of the brain and behavior, again, not to be confused with the mind, it has shown that our brains are built to learn and adjust to a changing world as our ancestors developed bigger brains and started behaving more like the humans we are today. Again, this is clearly not based on creationism, if you will, uh, in its in its most orthodox sense, but likely. Um, and I didn't I didn't hunt for the backstory of this organization. This is a data point that uh, is congruent with other data points that I found. So. I just went with this, um, but clearly these guys thinks we can't. We can They think we came from apes. So whatever, <laughs> you know. Some people act like they came from apes, and there you are. But it shows that um, our brains were in fact built to learn and to adjust to a changing world. Right? 
Their brain areas responsible for seeing, hearing, and feeling the world took up an increasingly important role. So why that matters is because when your brain is that your processor, a lot like my Mac, and I have a Mac, which can generally speaking through processing speed, I mean, this thing can, I've got monitors up, I've, I've got processing on my show, I've got audio visual, I've, I'm pulling up from 20 files at any given moment. Th- this thing is built and engineered and designed to be able to process a certain amount of information that uh, in the in the creative space, uh, most of us in the creative space do not use a Windows application for this reason, because by comparison, it's just not as processor friendly. It's not that it's uh, lesser than or it's processor friendly for some brains, but and for some processing, but not for, I have found, not for the sake and for the utility of creating. Because there's a lot of things moving at one time whenever you're creating a song or a podcast or a video and you're editing and you're pulling from the internet. And there's this thing is a workhorse. It is challenged. It is meeting the challenge. But this thing, too, has a moment where it says, okay, too much. I wasn't built for this. I have reached maximum capacity and what happens when your computers reach maximum capacity maximum processing i'm not talking about memory i'm talking about processing what happens when your computers are overloaded in the process of processing information and tasks right they crash And for some reason, we think that we, the created, in the image and likeness of the creator, somehow we have more of a processing capability than, and we think that we can pay attention to this and process that and execute this and and give to this and give to that. And it's all just going to balance in the world system, which is designed for what? Destruction. Tells you that something's wrong with you because you're just not balancing it all. You're just not meeting the expectations because you're not focused while causing you not to focus. So you got to love the enemy's kingdom because he's all, well, not actually, but, but the, the, the comical part of this is that he presents himself in the world system draws us in, lures us into this way of thinking with our brains that that we can do it all at one time, simultaneously, do it well. If we can't, go pay somebody tens of thousands of dollars to tell us why we're not doing it, how they did it. And I'm going to tell you how they did it. They did it by focusing on one thing, and that was getting you in a seat to hear their message. They focused on marketing to you. That's how they got there. That's how they got you in the seat. So they focused on the one thing that mattered most to them. They prioritized. They didn't balance. And most of them will not tell you that. There's no such thing as balancing. 
Because most of us don't even have the right materials on our scales. We have the lies of the world on one scale and the lies of the world on the other scale. And then we wonder why the whole thing tips over. Or we're just stagnant. And so whenever someone like me comes along and says, hey, y'all, it's it's the beginning of the eighth month of the year. This is wonderful. We're going into the back nine. How's your 2022 going? You're like, oh, gosh. I thought Nancy was flying into Taiwan and the Chinese said they're going to shoot her out of the sky. I thought we were in a recession. I thought the transvestites had taken over a church and the, the Episcopalians or whoever did it, uh, you know, the, the Methodists, cause they're probably the most woke entity and sect in the church these days. I thought they were all cheering and celebrating. And I thought we were going to talk about that today, Monica. I thought we were going to talk about the economy. I thought we were going to talk about the midterms. I thought we were going to talk about how corrupt the FBI is. I thought we were going to talk about why would you ask me to take a look at my life in August when I've got all these other things that the world is demanding I process? Don't you understand? Yeah. Actually, I do. I understand a lot more than you might give me credit for. And I'm a lot like you. We're all so much alike. If we, if you knew how alike we were in our fears, in our, in our basic, is the dragon at the door? Is the werewolf at the door? Is the bear at the door? Well, yeah, they're in your hands. They're in front of your eyes. They're on your television screens. They're in your cars. They're on your radios. They're on your, on your tablets. They're in the movies. They're everywhere around you. They're at your school board meetings. They're, they're at your city councils. They're in your state legislatures. Then they're in your U.S. Congress. They're everywhere. They're at the border. They're crossing the border. They're, they're every, it's the challenge is to just stay alive. You don't have to wait for a pterodactyl to fly across your front lawn. They're, you're holding one in your hand. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're studying in my Bible study, my word study group right now, gifts, spiritual gifts. Not to be confused with talents, but spiritual gifts in the sense of, you know, do you, uh, what are they according to Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12? Those spiritual gifts, right? Because those gifts are given to you without revocation. He will not revoke those. He does not take them back from you ever, no matter how far depraved you've become. No, they may be latent. They may be mossed over. Uh, you may be in the sand pits most of your life. Uh, you may have hit your ball over into the swamp and, you know, riddled with alligators. You may be standing out in the middle of the alligators. Um, but your gifts are irrevocable. The gifts given to you from your creator are irrevocable. And so if you want to know what those are, go read them. Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Read about gifts, right? And as you're doing your inventory and your brain is processing everything going on in your life, where you are right now, what your priorities are, what's important, where are you succeeding, where are you failing, what should you be celebrating, what needs to be cut off, who needs to be cut off, what needs to be cut out, which appointments do you need to make, which agreements do you need to make, which agreements do you need to disavow. 
All of those things are part of the back nine. All of those things are part of inventory. But when the pterodactyls are in your hands, they're hanging above your fireplaces, on your walls, right? They're in your kids' tablets. They're in your kids' report cards. I mean, they're all around you. You're processing so much that come, you know, January, it's big business for people to sell you on diet apps. I mean, think about the app industry and what explodes uh, January 1st, right? Every year, weight loss, how many steps did I walk? Um, You know, how many times did I blink? How many calories did I burn? You know, when I coughed, um, you know, what can I eat? What shouldn't I eat? What's eating me? Uh, You know, all of that, right? There's an app for everything. (laughs) And so again, more pterodactyls. (laughs) So or raptors, whatever, whatever your favorite dinosaur is, whatever could eat you. Just think of in terms of every device in your life, right? Think about how much of, of that um, dinosaur, this modern day dinosaur, bear, wolf, what, cobra, anaconda, what, whatever your, your dread and terror animal is that would come to eat you, right? Well, the next time you look at your devices or you look at the information in front of you, you look at the people in your life, just think of it in those terms, the demands on your life, right? And and think about the the amount of information that you can process in any given day. I mean, think about that. I mean, you're talking about 74 gigabytes of information a day, which is the equivalent of watching 16 movies. And that's before anyone in your life even asks you for a single thing. That's for, that's before your kids need you, before you go sit on the toilet, your toddler follows you in for the 14th time during the day. That's before your husband drops the ball and doesn't, you know, forgets the kids. That's that's before your wife nags you about why didn't you do this. That that's before your, you know, you, they call and ask you about the family vacation. That's before you've called the doctor back to determine what whether or not you have to have a biopsy. I mean, that that's that's before you step on the scales. That's before you sit down to dinner. That's before you contend with the, you know, temptress of a secretary that you just hired and you don't know how to get out of that. That that's before any single other obligation in your life. That is before you ever put the ball on the tee. That is before you ever put the ball on the tee. All of that is coming your way. And then you're required to focus on all of those things I just mentioned and to hit your shot. So when it comes time to do homework, to have an honest conversation about how your spouse is actually doing, what do they need from you? Are you meeting their needs? And we all have them. Are, are they okay, right? How are your kids faring in school with all of the challenges they have right now? Who are they talking to late into the evening? How is your mother-in-law? How is your neighbor who can't really afford their mortgage? How is your church member who just discovered a lump in their breast? How are, you know your gay neighbors who might be engaging in uh, weekend orgies who have just now contracted monkeypox. 
who may just need a friendly voice to show up at face to show up at the door and say, hey, do you guys need anything? By the way, here's where we attend church. Here's here's some scriptures for you of truth. And because I care about you and I love you and your partner, I want to make sure that you don't continue on in this life without mercy and grace of the truth of God. No, you don't have the bandwidth for all of that. We just don't. So I want to encourage you to get honest about what you are able to process and when. I had a friend a few years ago who was a very successful business owner. He's actually an undertaker. Yeah, right. So never goes out of business, right? And very successful in the city of Atlanta. And he had a standing rule that he would not make an important decision, whether it was in his family life, but particularly his business life. He would not make a single business decision past 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Would not happen. So, and he's and he actually, he locked in on that. Because there were many times I would call because I was in charge of a campaign and I, and I needed his, I needed his commitment on something. And he would ask that I remember, you know, call me tomorrow morning and I'll re, I'll be happy to revisit this, but it's past 2 PM and I've made a commitment to myself and to my business that I simply, I've, I have to prioritize what's really important. What's the one thing in my life that's important? Well, my family and to feed my family, my business needs to be successful. And so the only way for me to be successful in understanding who I am is that I can't process more than 74 gigabytes a day and possibly think that I'm going to run a successful business. And so whenever I'm finished processing at 2 p.m., I do not process anything that would require me to make major decisions about my business that could become very costly because I know I'm not at my best. Why do you think most people play golf early in the day? A, because it's not so friggin' hot, uh, but I would say that's probably B. But A, because you are at your best in the morning. You're clear, you're thinking. And some of you are not morning people, I get it. So to each his own, right? You have to, you have to determine when you operate and function the best. In my 20s, I would have said it was at night. I was an evening person. I was rearing to go. You know, I'm up all night, ready, just, you know, not necessarily partying as much as, you know, I just, that's when my, I was very creative. That's when my songwriting abilities were there. I mean, you know, I, I didn't have to smoke weed to get into a vibe. I didn't have to create a vibe in order to write. And I still don't. And I've never been a weed smoker, so there's that. But um, I don't need anything outside of my God-given creative mind and my own life's crappy experiences and my own life's great experiences to write great songs. <laughs> so so I didn't really need help in that department, but I would set a mood. I would like candles. You know, I'd be around cool people who I can totally, quote, vibe with. Um, you know, that synergy that's there in the room, right? But it wasn't manufactured. That's what happens on a cellular level whenever people of like mind come together. So I was better in the evening, okay? Now as I've gotten older, I have adopted more of that gentleman's mindset, which is I understand my processing unit 
And I understand that I do not process things um, at the same speed with the same level of endurance uh, past a certain point of the day. So I too will not um, engage in making decisions that will be costly that could end me up that could end me either over the lake or in it. <laughs> Going back to the golf analogy, that could end me up in the end up in the sand trap versus just to the side of it. In the sand pits, no, the sand trap's not the worst thing in the world, but sometimes it, it, it they're called a hazard for a reason. You have hazards all over golf courses, and so imagine what our lives would be like. If we, if we gave just even a quarter of the attention to our lives as, as a golfer does, who is out there to win. And when I say win, again, that's relative. He's out there to beat his last score. Not to create the same game over unless, you know, he's just like a, uh, a, a scratch golfer, right? And he's just happy with that. But no one who's a scratch golfer is ever satisfied with their last score. They're just not. You go out and you challenge yourself every single morning the sun comes up and a golf club is in your hand if you're a scratch golfer. And, and you, but you do get to know yourself and your rhythm and you know the course and, and, you know, but even though you know the course and some of you think you know the courses of your lives and so you like your spouses, you think you know the hazards. You think you know where the alligators are. You think you know where the sand traps are. You think you know when the wind is blowing a certain way. And, and you, you know, you've just got that course nailed. Like you just know it inside and out. But there's a problem with that. Because it rains. And it gets cold. And seasons change. And soil changes. And there are conditions there, there, there's cultivation that needs to happen with that beautiful green sod that you see, right? I mean, there's immaculate care that's taken to keep that thing beautiful and, and manicured and maintained, right? Those things don't just create themselves. The, the basic design of the golf course is there, but the maintenance of it is something that is ever ever being practiced and, and honed and, and, and talk about husbandry. Oh my gosh. And, and groomed and pruned. And, you know, I mean, there's just this, this great care that's taken with every detail from the soil to the, to the temperatures, to the water levels and golfers know, you know, the, the, the speed at which your ball races into the hole or down the hill or the, these minuscule undulations on the green, right? Where, where, unless you get down, why do you think these guys get down on one knee and look and measure and they understand the, they're tiny curvatures and little microscopic hills that if you, you know, it's like playing a, a game of pool. Right, you hit it over in this pocket. You hit your shot, one ball over against whatever. I'm not a actually. I'm quite a great pool shark if I've had like a beer or two. But um, but I get very creative, and primarily because I get out of my head, and I quit thinking so much, just like with golf, and then I just naturally play very well. But you know, you hit this pocket over here in order to hit the ball in the pocket where you want it to go. That whole thing. It's a strategy. It's a tension, and our lives require attention, right? 
And the terrain of your spouse, your loved one, is always changing because we are always changing, right? My late pastor used to say, I reserve the right to change. I love that. I reserve the right to change. You're never too old to change. And some people will say, Monica, people never change. Well, perception is reality. And for in your mind, they won't change for you because you won't let them. Even though they've changed right in front of you. You could measure their brain output, their input, their emotional uh, maturation. You, you could measure a lot of things about their bodies that would tell you that they're changing. You could look at their habits and tell they're changing. And usually whenever we say people never change, it's because there is a horrible root of bitterness involved in that. And honestly enough, some people do refuse to change the practices of their lives to their detriment and to the failure of their very personal relationships. That is actually true. But I think if we would have more hope in God's ability to change someone and we prayed in that spirit, we would actually see our eyes would be open to celebrate the minuscule changes in someone that we otherwise would not have been able to see because we have them locked in this prison of roots and vines and ivy and just... You know, and sometimes it's like, they're really pretty. They're like wisteria. And we're like, oh no, I'm not bitter. (laughs) And have you ever seen the vine system of of wisteria? I have it all over my lawn. (laughs) And let me tell you, that's, that thing could strangle a grown man. They're, they are strong. Like you have to have hella structure in order for these things to, you know, to hold them. I mean, they are, and when they wrap, they wrap, but they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Big, beautiful purple blooms, very green. And they're, they provide great shade, right? But you got to be careful about how those things grow around your heart. Don't let them grow at all. As a matter of fact, is what the word says. But as you know, we're coming to a summer wind down, right? That's how I see August. It's a summer wind down. It's a great time to take some inventory about, did you, did you take that beach trip this summer? Is it too late? No, it's not. Does it have to be a, you know, $10,000 beach trip for everyone? Nope, it doesn't. There are lots of bargains out there right now. You know, how important is it to you? How, how much of a priority is it to you to provide memories for your family, for you? How much of a bre- of a rest of a, of a break do you need? right now. When's the last time you've actually done that for yourself? People are so proud. If I meet a man who's like, Oh, I haven't vacationed in 200 years. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you're probably not going to be the dude for me because that doesn't impress me. What that tells me is that you, um, do not have your priorities aligned and you're not one of them. That you have not prioritized yourself. And what then that tells me is that you have not prioritized God in your life. Because he commands you to take rest. That is a command. It's not an option. It is to keep the Sabbath holy and to rest. Now, granted, Jesus came along and said, hey, if your ass fell in the ditch on, on the Sabbath, would you not take it out? Because he was being confronted with the religious folks who were like, 
you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. This is blasphemy. This is heresy. And he was like, well, you know, people still need to be healed on the Sabbath. But what did Jesus do? Here's the harmony in the scriptures. I love it. Um, He took a sabbatical. Like after nearly every engagement with groups of people, he was, he took himself away and prayed. He spent time in communion with his father. He was refreshed. That is, that is humility. That is godly. That is honorable. That is handsome. You know, in in worldly terms, and I don't mean this sexually. Obviously, don't be weird. But that as a as a woman, as a single woman who sees a man who knows how to not live like some frivolous Las Vegas lifestyle every day, but a man who understands the importance of taking himself out of the race, taking himself off the course uh, to go commune with his creator and to make himself and his hobbies and 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 things that challenge him and that give him rest. Uh, for his mind, right, for his body, for a man to have the um, discipline of that, that is extremely sexy on a human level. From Christ to God as as an example to me, as a model of what it means to commune with my Father, that is a very honorable model that I believe Jesus left with us. So something for you guys to consider. Some men are just, you know, every day's a vacation. They're at the bar at five, telling jokes till seven, slapping butts by eight, and, you know, trying to make, you know, trying to make sure they haven't just met their, their next ex-wife uh, by nine, you know, accusing her of being psycho by 9 a.m. the next morning and, you know, showing up for church, if not via, you know, internet in their bed on Sunday with a person they shouldn't be with, or, you know, showing up to be like, yeah, well, God understands. Welcome to single life in 2022. And unfortunately, that is what some of you married guys think is the grass is greener on the other side, but it's not. That again is the life of death. So, okay, here we go. So I just want to encourage you, right? That too much info is, it's bad for the brain and you're getting it all the time. So perhaps just make a mental note. Uh, no pun intended, uh, as of today's show, you know, start paying attention to that 74 gigabytes of information that's coming into your brain unit and, and really start to ask yourself, you know, why whenever you sit in front of that recliner, you just wish that she would shut up and that she would just deal with the kids and she would not ask you how you feel about something and all those things that go through your head and not throw the baby at you as soon as you walk through the door um, and not complain and not ask questions and not even engage you at all. Could you just pretend like I'm invisible and I'm not here because I've had 74 gigabytes of information that have gone through my brain? And women go through the same thing. And so what do you do? You check out and you take in more gigabytes of information through the movies. And you add another four movies onto the end of your day when you've already just watched 16. Really stop and take some inventory. Pay attention to the things you're not paying attention to. I think that's really important. Lack of prioritizing as well, right? And relying on your discernment. But if you're going to... If you're going to rely on discernment, you have to know that that is a spiritual practice. That is not your intuition. It's not the same. Discernment comes from an under... Discernment comes from... How do I put this? 
discernment comes from your entire being's ability to call up, call upon, and regurgitate into whatever circumstance the word of truth that you have consumed at an earlier time. Does that make sense? And it bears witness with the Spirit of God. So it's never going to lead you into temptation. It's never going to lead you into destruction because that's not what the truth does. The world will. It's not going to lead you by your, quote, feelings. It's not going to lead you into being offended. It's not going to lead you into impatience or lust or envy or jealousy or covetousness or bitterness, unforgiveness, fear, terror, dread. Imagine how much of your brain is taken up with fear. I mean, that is like a power surge that is on 24-7 that has failed, actually. That is a, that is a, like your, your power surge protector, right, has failed because your 74 gigabytes has been utilized for literally everything. The surge protector, like, surged (laughs) like 10 years ago. And so you think your brain is on surge protector, but it's not. And then, you know, your willpower wanes. You start making decisions past your uh, uh, your processing ability and, and past where you're optimal, right? And, um, and then you wonder why you're either standing in the sand trap, you're out in the middle of an alligator-laden swamp, <laughs> and then you look up at the heavens and you go, yeah, well, you know, God works it all out for good. And sure, he does. Romans 8.28 is absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that we run into the swamp filled with alligators standing in the middle of it going, well, I thought you said you were going to save me, Lord. Even Jesus said, says not to tempt your God. But we tempt him pretty regularly, don't we? So, willpower is 99% of the battle. But understanding your ability to process and what that looks like and how what the effects of your willpower, right? The effects on your willpower of how much information you're taking in, how, how low-batteried you are, and how, how, how much of a lack of discernment we really do have collectively as a body who only consumes um, at, th- at a rate of 3% the Word of God. Out of the entire body of Christ, only 33% of that body consumes His truth. So what does that tell you about how many people are actually discerning God's will for their lives? And we've all been there. So discerning begats trust, and trust begats a life you can't even begin to imagine, even in your wildest imaginations. And these aren't vain imaginations. This is like, this is God's realm of blessing. This is not, he doesn't ask you for $10,000 to come sit in a conference for the weekend or for the week. He's not going to scream in your face. He's not, you know, this is not a God boot camp. This is, here's my word. Take it, eat it, consume it, 
digest it. Let it produce the fruit in your life by practicing it. And see if I won't pour you out a blessing so big, you won't be able to contain it. See if I won't protect you no matter who who threatens to shoot Nancy out of the sky. See if I won't cause you to prosper during the worst depression. See if I won't provide for your storehouses after bringing your tithes into mine above and beyond what you could ever imagine while the rest of the world is dying and terrorized in fear and dread and heart attacks and, you know, and lining up for monkeypox and toenail fungus injections and, you know, whatever. You can rest in knowing through your discernment, trust, and practice of the word. All of it works in tandem, understanding what it is that wanes on your ability to to practice all of those things and put them in motion in order to beat your last score on the last round that you played that resulted in who knows what. You know. You know what the fruit of your life is right now. And so if you don't want the same fruit moving into the back nine, just inspect your fruit. And ask the Lord to show you how you can begin to play a different game. Maybe get off that course. Maybe you need some new irons. Maybe you need a new driver. Right? Maybe you need a new putter. Maybe it's the short game that always screws you up. I know it is for me. So maybe, who knows? But God does. So I want to leave you with this. In the midst of recession in the midst of a looming depression even, in the midst of a global economic reset. I I want to celebrate those of you who have done exactly Philippians 4 and 6, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, Right? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things And I will add to this an additional scripture because Jesus said, as a man thinketh, so is he. So congratulations and celebration to those of you who have made a sober-minded choice to inquire about how to protect your blessings that God has blessed you with in the way of earnings, retirement, savings, Roth IRAs, all of that. And thank you for going to Monica Protects with gold.com. And I'm not saying that so that you worship at the altar of money and mammon. That's not it at all. I am saying that as a sober-minded individual and as a Proverbs 31 woman, that if I'm about my father's business and I'm about kingdom business, I understand currencies. I understand financial trends. I pay attention. My eyes are open. Because my first priority is my family and to provide, to be in a position to make sure my family has the best, that my business is flourishing, that I have given to Caesar what is Caesar, Caesar's, that, that I have uh, been on point 
and been responsible with my decision-making and my finances. All of that is godly. Money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And as for those of you who are into the Bitcoin and all this stuff, I'm, I'm not into anything that is not backed by what I consider to be God's currency, which, is, which are precious metals. And so congratulations to those of you who have actually taken that, um, that risk. There is always a risk with everything we do. And so congrats to those of you who have, you know, who have done actually the risk uh, cost assessment and risk-benefit analysis um, and decided to inquire for yourself and you have actually taken the steps to secure, to protect what God has blessed you with. Good for you. That, that is good for you. Because it's hard to know who to trust in this day and age. It just is. And especially with your finances. But some of you have entrusted your your life savings, your retirement, your pension. Oh, wait till the pension funds are hit. Oh my gosh. I've been listening in, like I said, on spaces with these financial experts. If you missed my last show from last Thursday, please go back and listen to that. It's archived. It's a three hour show. It is broken up into segments. You can listen, you know, to your heart's content. But there's a lot and please forgive the expletives that that is a guess that I have no control over. Um, how he expressed himself. I know that was very challenging for some people, but there are a few spots where the expletives were a little abundant. Uh, I apologize in advance. Chew the meat, spit out the bones, hit fast forward. Don't be offended. Don't lose, you know, don't lose sight of your blessing because somebody said a curse word. Uh, There's a lot of good meaty information in there. And a lot of these experts believe that the pension funds are next and it's, it's going to be a rude awakening for some people. So again, it's scary to think about, you know, moving a certain portion of your hard-earned dollars who there's a portfolio manager managing it whom you've never met, you never will. You're just trusting they're going to do the right thing. And I would challenge your thinking on that to think more in terms of aligning yourself with a company and with a group of people who have a tried and true reputation, who answer the phone when you call, who return emails whenever you have inquiries and you have concerns, and who are there to walk you through the process of understanding more about how to protect and to secure your financial blessings. All right, Monica protects with gold. Thank you for joining me today. I love you guys so much. I do hope that you have a great evening. I hope this has encouraged you. Uh, It's been insightful, inspired you. There's so many good things in store for us that in spite of what's happening in this country, on this globe, you know, if we think on these things that are true, that are noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure and lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. You're praiseworthy, right? God created you with a purpose and a vision. Don't ever forget that. Get out there and tap into it. Until next time, be good to your neighbor beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.